It is so great to see you this morning. Welcome to Carpenter's Way. If you're watching on the internet, we're glad to have you joining us this morning. This is a very, very special day because we have two young men who are being baptized. You know, the, the mandate of the church is to make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we are really, really honored to have two, uh, two young men, and I'll, I'll let them be introduced to you in a moment. But let me explain what you're about to experience because it's maybe a little different than you're used to. Uh, we, uh, the church, um, isn't an organization, it's the body of Christ, and it is the Im incumbent upon the parents and the family, if they're able, if they know the Lord, to disciple their children, so we are always excited when a family member is able to baptize one of their own. Uh, it's our job to support them, and, and, and so this morning, uh, in these two bapti baptisms, you're going to see a grandfather baptize his grandson, you're going to see a dad baptize his son, 
And that is because it is their responsibility to raise up and train up the child and know the way he should go. So we're very, very excited about this. And uh, one more thing to be clear before I turn it over to them. Uh, baptism doesn't save you. It it's an outward expression of something that has already happened. Uh, Jesus was baptized, and it was his way of saying, man, my ministry's starting. It's when the Father endorsed him and the Holy Spirit uh, ascended on him, and it was a statement, and that's what this is. Uh, these young men have already come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and have already begun the process of growing up in the things of the Lord. We call that discipleship, and so we're very, very excited to have them on their own want to share with you their faith. So uh, our first baptism is going to be Carter. Why don't you come on down, Carter? It's not going to be Larry. You all thought Larry was going to be baptized. He's been baptized, what, six or eight times, Larry? Okay. It didn't take the first four or five, I guess. But this is, uh, this is Carter Lawrence, and I'm looking at my notes so I don't mess anybody's names up. But Larry Brevard is one of our elders here, a pastor, and uh, this is his grandson. And I'm going to let them tell a story. Uh, Carter's parents are uh, Ryan and uh, Katie Lawrence. Uh, and so, uh, Larry, I'm going to turn this over to you. Grandma Melinda is going to come up and pray for Carter. Carter, Carter, now you're my little brother in Christ. Isn't it exciting? Let's pray. Lord, I am just so full right now. Just so excited. We've been praying for this little boy since he was born, Lord, that he would accept you. And, Father, now that he is a part of our family, we just pray, Father, that you will put your hedge of protection around him, watch over him, and we as a family and friends will come around him and encourage him. Lord, just help him as he grows, that he will be someday a godly man, that he will always look to you in everything. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. One of the things I, I want to encourage you to do is pray for these young men. They will grow into teenagers, and that's when Satan really attacks. So we want to lift them up. One of the things we prioritize a lot at Carpenter's Way is discipleship of our children, our young people, and Alicia and her team does a good job with that. We need you to jump in, too, and, and come alongside families, because if you've raised kids and grandkids, you know how complicated that could be. But we're super excited 
about both of these young men, especially because they come from godly families. Uh, um, Katie and Ryan and the extended family of the Whites are in ministry at Harmony Hill. And, and if you're going to do that, just dive straight in, dude. Uh, it's, it's slippery, just so you know. This is our first baptism lawsuit, so you're excited. It's great to be here. And... This is the white clan, or part of it anyway. And Garrig and uh, Justin. Justin, how long have you been with us at Carpenter's Way? About a year and a half. And uh, we're glad to have you here. I'm going to turn this over to you, Justin. has a strong spiritual family. His grandma is in charge of the children's ministry at Harmony Hill, and his grandpa is a golf coach, a godly guy, and we're honored to have him pray for his grandson. Bill, Lord, we just thank you for this glorious day, one in which we see our grandchild, our son, and now our brother in Christ be baptized. What a great thought to know that you come after his heart Come after all of our hearts. In your name, amen. I think one of the most difficult things for us as American Christians, and especially in the Bible Belt, to remember is that this is not a show. It's not a program. It's a relationship of God with people. And uh, it is uh, interesting um, because when a young man or young woman wants to be baptized, a lot of times the parents at a young age, a lot of times the parents kind of scare off, you know, and actually push them back a little bit. But as they grow in their relationship with the Lord, they, they, want, they, they want to take that stand and to pray for these young men. They, they, don't, they don't know about the battle that Satan is going to uh, just, just attack them with. And they are not tomorrow's church, they're today's church, and they're an important part of what we do. And these families, what, what an honor. What, a, what an honor to be connected with Harmony through the family. We're doing the same thing, maybe programmatically differently, but what a privilege it is for us to, to minister to these young men. And if you are not involved in a ministry, you need to be. <clears throat> that, the body of Christ isn't a spectator sport. It's, it's actively involved. And, and uh, now you know why. Um, 
Gary talked of Alicia sharing Christ and his need for Christ, and what a cool story. And uh, Larry was telling me before that he got home from work the other day, and little Carter ran up to him and said, Papa, i got to tell you something. Uh, I accepted Jesus Christ, and now you need to baptize me. And uh, Larry has literally not stopped crying since that moment. And uh, to make it clear, <laughs> sorry, Larry. <laughs> and I have no doubt you're packing heat. That's the. <laughs> okay, I didn't realize you could get dressed that fast. All right. But to 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 be clear, to be clear, this is this is not a religious thing. This is a statement that people have been making since Jesus made it at the Sea, you know, Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River. This is what we do to tell the world we belong to Him. So don't get, if you're, if you're new to God, if you're new to Christianity, if you're not a Christian, we want to make it clear. What you just saw is a public testimony of something that has already happened. And we invite you to join us. Not Carpenter's Way necessarily, but the family of God. There is hope beyond Washington. Yeah, big time. And there's hope beyond this life. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But in, anyway, what a, what a cool morning. We could close in prayer, but you're not that lucky. So... If you grab your worship guides, let me uh, highlight these for you. A couple things that we want to make you aware of. Julie's going to come and make an announcement in a moment. But uh, you saw the display for Operation Christmas Child. <clears throat> that is, excuse me, we're three weeks away from uh, that taking place. Uh, or that first week, we need you to sign up to uh, volunteer. Carpenter's Way functions as the regional hub for, I think it's 50 miles in every direction, Every, all the communities that collect Operation Christmas Child boxes, they bring them here and we load a semi, uh, two semi-trailers full of those boxes. And so we need folks to help us take in those boxes. Uh, it's the week before Thanksgiving. The dates are actually in here, uh, November 18th through the 25th. And uh, we, we would ask that you'd sign up for a, a time to serve in that area and receive boxes. And especially the last Monday, the 25th, that you help us load the trucks, strong backs, uh, weak minds and strong backs are welcome during that. So uh, we could sure use some help with that. But if you would sign up, you can sign up at the table in front of the display. And uh, in here it talks about what Operation Christmas Child does. And uh, we would just encourage you to uh, be actively involved in that. I also need to highlight this morning that our annual business meeting is two weeks from this evening. And so as it, uh, based on our bylaws, if you'll just bear with me for a second if you're visiting. Uh, we have uh, the information is in your worship guide of the nominees for church elder as well as deacons. And uh, if you have questions about those people, please refer to an elder before that meeting. We will not entertain questions on those individuals at the meeting. Uh, although you'll vote on them, we give you a couple of weeks to keep everything focused on the Lord. And, and uh, we want to answer your questions, but we, we don't want to shame people. So if you have concerns, please bring them to us ahead of time. We have our own concerns about our deacon nominee. Gotcha, Doug. Okay, that was funnier in my mind. Okay, so the other thing is our budget. Uh, there are, there's a table out in the welcome area. If you uh, please review the budget as we will be voting on that as well. Uh, all questions about that can go to Karen or the finance team or the staff. Just feel free to ask. Julie, why don't you come on up? Uh, Julie has an announcement she would like to make, and then we'll take our offering. Did they just clap for you? Someone did, but I don't know who it was. <laughs> I never throw this out there, but it is Pastor Appreciation Month, and you haven't clapped for me once, and I'm a little bitter. Wait till you hear the message this morning. That's not, I'm sorry, it's too late. I just asked for that. No, 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 no. You're going to have to put up with the message, okay? So just go ahead, clap for her. Huh? Just go ahead. 
Um, I am up here to talk to the women for just a minute. <clears throat> and uh, this is, that got me. <laughs> and everything that we do here is all about, you know, about this. And when we see these young, young kids come to know Jesus and, um, and the ministry, just, just thinking about some, a child sitting and listening to a story, knowing and then realizing, wait a minute, I'm a sinner too. I mean, what a better, what, what a privilege it is to be part of a church that's doing that. I count it as a privilege. Um, we are not just here because you pay us to be here. We're here because we are part of this family and can't imagine worshiping anywhere else. So, um, so women, um, we are having an event coming up. I know October isn't even over and you're maybe not even thinking Christmas, but I want to give you a little bit of a challenge and I want to invite you to something. On Tuesday, December 3rd, we're going to have our, our Christmas um, gathering. We're going to have a big dinner. We're going to do it up in here. We're going to take, bring in tables and decorate. And if you are, are good at that, would like to join in that, there's a, there's a place out there to sign up if you want to decorate a table. But what I want to encourage you to do is um, just really be thinking about maybe someone you can invite. But this is a chance for us, our church women, to come together and um, prepare for the Christmas season. We think about preparing for the Christmas season and we're all about a, a gift list and decorations and I'm there with you because I enjoy all of that. Um, but this is gonna be a chance for us to prepare our hearts for, for, for the advent, for the coming of um, our, our savior. And so I want to just encourage you to come out to that. Join us, um, a couple of our own ladies are gonna share share some some things that, some of their, part of their stories um, are, are our um, theme is the weary world rejoices. We are stealing it a little bit, and I've got another quick announcement on that, but um, I just really wanted to encourage you to take part in that. We're gonna start selling tickets for that next week, but I wanted to give you a heads up, and I wanted to make sure you knew what this was all about. And I just know it's gonna be an encouraging night together to start preparing our hearts, to quiet our hearts maybe, as we get into one of the busiest seasons of the year, to quiet our hearts together and to focus on our Savior. And with that being said, we're also, giving you an opportunity to be part of a Bible study that's called Advent, which means you're going to be preparing the coming. Um, and it's gonna be starting on, um, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, November, is it 5th, y'all? I'm not looking at the, the first uh, Wednesday in November. And it's just a five week study. Um, it's just gonna be taking us through uh, week by week through different things of the Advent, through some of the Old Testament scriptures, um, there is no DVD, it's not a long study, but it's, it would be a great way to, to um, start preparing your hearts. We may have another opportunity in an evening um, to um, take part in this study, but we'll let you know that later this week. But if you're interested, there's also a sign up out there for that. So join us, ladies, in preparing our hearts this season for Christmas. All right, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time for our offering. If you are visiting with us at Carpenter's Way, this is the one part of the service we ask you not to participate in. Uh, this is a commitment we make uh, uh, as a church family to support the ministries and missions that we have global. Uh, we support, uh, as a church, the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. There's about three or 4,000 missionaries globally evangelizing and planting churches. And then on top of that, we have about 15 missions and missionaries that we support as a church, and uh, as well as the ministries that go on here. And, and uh, uh, having said that, if you're visiting with us this morning, it's awfully glad to have you here. Our hope, though, 
is as much as we'd like you to like us, we want you to fall in love with Jesus. He is the answer to your need, and, and we just hope we can encourage you in that this morning. So let's pray and commit the rest of our service to the Lord. Father God, we've already had a wonderfully refreshing time watching these uh, young men make a public statement that they are followers of Jesus. We are fully aware that this is not a child event. This is a, this is a, a child of God event. And I am certain that there may be others in this church that need to take that stand. It's time. And I pray that as you prompt their heart, they'd be obedient. And Lord, help us to be a church, Father. We, uh, it is not our desire to be the biggest church or the fastest church or the most programmed church. We just want to be a church that loves Jesus, that tells others that he loves them, that, uh, that Father uh, just speaks the truth. So help us to be that, Father. I pray this morning that in the next hour or so that uh, we hear from you, that your Holy Spirit works through the music, works through the Word of God, that every person watching online in this room is changed because God is changing them. So we commit our time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh.
Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory.
salvation comes in Has pride. 
percent of the way through in the ministry. Jeez, I'm just kidding. I have no idea how long we're going to go. We'll go until we're done. And then we'll pick up Acts when we're done with the story of Jesus ascending into heaven and find out how we got to where we are today in 2019 as a church. So we're just going to keep moving through. But uh, uh, we are in, for those of you who haven't been with us, we are studying the life and ministry of Jesus Christ from all four Gospels. We're putting them together and trying to discover not who the Baptist Jesus is or the American Jesus, but to discover from the Scriptures who Jesus of the Scriptures uh, is. And we are honored to have you join us this week. Uh, if you think this was a crazy week for you, this 24 hours in which we find ourselves this morning of the disciples has been absolutely nuts. Uh, last week we had a little bit of a break with uh, Pastor Paul being with us. And, and by the way, uh, we raised $5,000 for Bibles for... Ugandan pastors, and uh, man, I, I, I just want to thank you for that. That is incredible. That is, um, uh, there are 650 pastors mo that, that work beyond bridges and roads, as Pastor Paul says, who, who most of which don't have a full Bible. Some don't have a Bible at all, and uh, so uh, I'm meeting with him tomorrow to figure out what our next steps are to assist him in discipling these, these uh, faithful messengers of the gospel, so... Uh, thank you for loving on him. Thank you for encouraging him. Thank you for ministering to these pastors that you will meet one day in eternity. Uh, let's get this job done and let's go home. Yeah, let's do that. So within a 24-hour period where we find ourselves in the story, the disciples had just been two by two, and they've come back together, and they expected to sit with Jesus and tell him what they, what they saw, what they heard, what they smelled, much like you might do on, your, on a missionary journey that you go on a short-term mission trip. But when they returned, they found out that Jesus' cousin, and some might say his rabbi, had been killed, John the Baptist. 
Why would I say he was his rabbi? Because he was the one that Jesus chose to baptize him. Very significant man. Not just in his family relationship, but also spiritually as well. So they get together and they find out John has been killed and, and, and they go to Jesus and tell him. And Jesus is grieved uh, and tells the disciples he wants to be alone with them. So they move to a place that is, uh, that is off the beaten path where Jesus believes that they can be alone to talk to his father. And I believe grieve for his cousin. But when he gets there, there's a huge crowd that finds out he's there. And immediately they start swarming to his presence. And as Jesus always does, he ministers to their needs. He begins teaching. He begins healing as he always does. He didn't push them away. He didn't let the disciples push them away. He ministers to them. Uh, just a side note, ministry doesn't end just because you're grieving. Ministry doesn't end because you're going through a difficulty. Um, Jesus, and I, and I hope you're beginning to see this because I'm going to really start nailing this. Jesus was constantly pushing his disciples, his followers, and us to understand that we should always keep our focus on the next life more than this one. That we are not living for now. And you'll see this in today's text. Uh, when they get to this remote place, this crowd gathers, Jesus ministers to them, and it continues to swell in number. In fact, it tells us in the text that we looked at a couple weeks ago that the crowd grew to 5,000 men, and that doesn't include the women and children who were there. And we studied together, as we studied together, I told you it is reasonable to believe that there were at least 20,000 people there present. Mid-afternoon, the disciples begin to get concerned about what these people are going to eat and their safety. So they come to Jesus and they tell him that he needs to dismiss the crowd so that they have time to go to local farms or go to local villages and find something to eat that evening. And Jesus responds as Jesus responds all the time. You feed them. <laughs> I love that. Okay, that, that's not as interesting to you. I just want to remind you that the thing sometimes when you cry out to the Lord in desperation and concern, his answers to you are often the same answers he gave the disciples. Why don't you take care of it? The disciples tell Jesus in that moment, well, Master, we couldn't work for months without raising enough money to have a, have a catered meal brought in. And then one of the disciples, who had been wandering through the crowd apparently, tells Jesus, there's a little boy with a lunch pail. There's a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And then he says, but certainly there's not enough for the crowd. And Jesus, in Jesus' way, and by the way, I want to remind you that John said that this happened not just out of coincidence, but Jesus actually did this to teach the disciples a lesson. You see, Jesus was just as interested in discipling the disciples as he was in reaching the lost. So he tells this disciple to go get that lunch pail and bring it to him. And he brings the lunch pail, and it doesn't tell us anything else happened. He brings it to Jesus, and he thanks his father for the food like you do with any meal. And he begins breaking the bread and ripping the fish apart and putting it in baskets. And it tells us that there was enough food for everybody. Everybody was stuffed. It was a buffet. An amazing miracle. It doesn't tell us what the disciples were thinking or feeling, but it must have been an incredible moment. I don't think they're stupid enough to ask, how did you do that? They just watch. And to make an exclamation point on the end, you remember from our study that it tells us that when it was all over, Jesus said, now we don't want to waste anything, so why don't you go out there and collect all that's left over? And it tells us that all 12 of these guys had baskets full of food. They got to take doggy bags with them. When that, uh, after that story, it tells us that Jesus tells the disciples to get back into the boat and head to the other side of the sea. He tells them that he's going to stay and he's going to go to be alone over his cousin's death, over his cousin's death, over his cousin's death. And he wants to be alone in the same way you do. And one of the, one of the things we're learning is Jesus doesn't, isn't just God. We're very comfortable, I think, mostly with that. But he's also a man. And even though he knew where John was, even though 
He knew that this was going to happen. His heart is still grieved over the loss of his cousin. So he goes to, he, dis, he dismisses the disciples and they had come on one boat and they all get in this boat and they head, head across. They head out. And it tells us that as soon as he had sent them off, he dismisses the crowd and then he goes to be alone. Um, about three o'clock in the morning, once again, three and a half miles, John tells us, into, or uh, uh, Matthew tells us, into this traversing the Sea of Galilee, a big storm comes up. And the disciples, once again, are fighting the elements, and it tells us that they were terrified. And as they're dumping water out of the boat, they look up, and it tells us in the Gospels that there comes this figure, and you can imagine what he looked like with the waves and the wind and the sea and a white garment flowing. They look out and they scream, it's a ghost, because it was October 31st. <laughs> and Jesus Seeing that they're terrified, it tells us, this is kind of weird, just a side note, it tells us that it looked like Jesus was actually going to pass by the boat. I mean, that's kind of cool. It's like a Michael Jackson walking on water. He's going by the boat. And they scream out. And Jesus responds by saying, no, no, don't be afraid. It's me. It's me. And Peter, who is the spokesman, the, the, uh, the loud mouth among equals, who can't seem to control himself, says, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. And he high-fives himself. What do you think of that, boys? And Jesus Unfortunately for Peter, says, come to me. Peter gets out of the boat in courageous style, and he walks to Jesus, and about four, five, six feet into it, he realizes that the rain is still coming and the winds, and he's walking on water, and he looks at his feet, and he begins to drown. And Jesus reaches down, as he always does, and he saves the saved guy. I just want you to know that Jesus still saves you, even if you're saved. It's always there, and you will feel like you're going to drown, but he's always there. And he walks them back to the boat, and they get in the boat, and the disciples kind of out themselves as they, without thinking, express their thoughts. And what they say to him is, you really are the Son of God. You can laugh. Who did they think he was? I don't know, but they didn't think he was the Son of God. I mean, his miracles keep proving this. Some of us, uh, we've all experienced waves and storms and we've all experienced panic and, we, and, and maybe some of you are right now. I mean, we are, we are right now in a season of Carpenter's Way where we have a lot of people hurting. Uh, last night, we had a, another member of our church family go to be with the Lord and her mom outlived her. Dorlisa, some of you know them. Ethel's daughter went to be with Jesus in the middle of the night. We need to be praying for her. You know that Dolores is having chemotherapy night right now. Rocky continues to struggle with cancer. and We could go on and on. Some of you have lost jobs and you're having a difficult time. I know it's tough. And I know like the disciples, you probably think Jesus is over there dealing with Iran and our president and Washington, D.C. Well, I want you to know he's nearer than you think. He's nearer than you think. Some of us are courageous enough to jump out of the boat and walk to him. But we still kind of drown. But whether you're one of the 11 in the boat or you're, the, or you're Peter courageously walking out, the truth is that we struggle, but he always continually saves us again and again. You know, I don't have the time this morning uh, to really get into all this, but I want to remind you that if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have been saved. Having been saved, I want to remind you that as a child of God who obediently follows him, he continues to save you. From the ramifications of sin, from life, its difficulties, 
But I want you to know that the day will come very, very soon when we will all be home and we will once for all be saved. Glorification, it is coming. And the weirder this world gets, the more longing my heart has for it. That will be a wonderful day. I struggle, though, why we live this life, and sometimes I wonder, what do you want from me, God? The disciples must have been thinking that. What do you want from us? We've done everything you've asked. What is it you want? And you know, thankfully, Paul actually answers this question, and Kevin reminded me, uh, Hudson reminded me of this this week, in Philippians chapter 4. I want you to look at these verses with me. This is Paul's exhortation when you are going through deep water. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Wow, don't let it control your reaction. Remember, the Lord's coming soon, so that's how you do that. You put your hope in them, not now. Rejoice. Uh, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Please note that it's as you live in Christ Jesus, as you live a life of faith, as you put your hope in Him. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. In other words, keep going. Even when you don't feel like it. Even when you're grumpy and tired and overwhelmed. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you. Keep going, you guys. Keep praying for each other. Keep lifting each other up. Some of you are having good months. Some of you are having terrible months. Some of you are having terrifying months. But God is still faithful. And I just really wanted to start by reminding you, God is faithful. Let's uh, pray together. I want to pray for us that we will learn to trust. Father, I thank you for these stories that, uh, that, that remind us that you sent the disciples into the storm twice, but you never left them. You told them to trust you. We need to trust you, Father. We have trusted you for salvation. Now may we trust you for life, this life. I pray, Father, as we get into your word right now, that this powerful text will change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You would think that walking on water and getting back in the boat would be the end of the events, of the series of events for these guys, that God would give them a couple day break, but he doesn't. There was more ministry and more for them to learn. So we'll pick up the story right there in Matthew 14, 34 to 36. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at uh, some strange pronounced town. I could fake it, and I practiced it this week, but anybody who's studied Hebrew will know that I'm wrong. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of the arrival spread quickly through the whole area, and soon people were bringing their sick to be healed. They begged him to, be, to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. Oh, the rumors have been spread. If you just touch the hem of his garment, you'll be healed. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? We were on that a few weeks ago. But the, the word had spread that all you got to do is touch this guy's garment. And here's the thing. All who touched him were, in fact, healed. An incredible story. Ministry for Jesus and the disciples never stops. I think there's a lesson there for us. No matter what your circumstance, if you are burying a family member, remember that is a wonderful day to talk about the grace of Jesus Christ. Stay obsessed with Jesus. Stay obsessed with Jesus, my friends. So we minister to them. 
This is a summary, though, Matthew puts, of what happened that day. In fact, John records a lot more for us about what happened, and that's kind of an interesting story that I want us to spend on today. After Jesus feeds the 5,000, the story picks up the next morning, and John doesn't record Jesus walking on water, but he records what happened starting the next day. Verse 22 of John chapter 6, it's on the screen behind me. The next day, the next day after feeding them, if you were to read verses uh, above this 1 through 22, you would hear the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So the next day after feeding the 5,000 plus women and children, the crowd had stayed on the far shore that the disciples had taken the only boat. And they realized Jesus had not gone with them, okay? Just remember, Jesus actually sent the disciples away. They got in the boat and left, and then he stayed. And it was after they left, he dismissed the crowds. That's how they knew Jesus was still there. So several boats from Tiberias had landed near the place where the Lord had blessed them the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they expected Jesus to be there. They got into the other boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and when they saw him, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? I mean, we... Did you walk across the lake? I, I, these are real things, okay? I need to breathe. The room is dark. I will turn on the super spotlights if you don't wake up here. But I want you to think about this. This is a rational reaction. These people expected to wake up the next morning after having a full belly and after seeing Jesus minister, they expected to wake up and not to see his disciples, but to see him there. Because the boats were gone. The boat that they had brought, they had brought one boat and it was gone. And they had seen the disciples leave and Jesus stayed. And then he went up to be alone and the next morning they wake up and he's not there. And so they get in the boats, they go to the other side because that's where the disciples went. And when they get there, they see Jesus. Oh, how in the world did you get here? That is so weird. We counted the boats. There were no boats. Did they come back and get you? Did you walk across the water? Interesting, because Jesus replies to them, not with the answer to the question they ask, but as always, Jesus answers with the question he wants them to ask. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, and, and that's very Bible-ish, but it actually is verily, verily in the King James. It means, now pay attention, you really, 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 really need to understand what I'm about to say. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. Whoa. Okay, pause. Leave that up there. I want you to see this. I need to understand the miraculous signs? That doesn't even make sense. I mean, I, I understand the miraculous signs. My belly was full last night. Now I'm hungry. I understand you healed that guy over there. He couldn't walk, and now he can walk. There's a deeper understanding of this, and the answer is yes. And he calls them out because he explains them to them that all they want is more miracles, a better life, a full belly, more miracles, more stuff. This is a huge statement, especially the word understand. Because the truth was that there was something for them to understand in the miracles besides filling stomachs and healing bodies. I want you to pay attention because these folks want to know how Jesus got there. It didn't make logical sense. He wants them to stop obsessing over the circus acts he's doing and understand the purpose of the circus, their eternal significance. Very little, I would like to say right here, has changed in 2,000 years except for technology because these people wanted Jesus because what he did for them physically. He helped them live their best life at that moment. 
They were not concerned, no matter how much he talked about eternal life, most of them weren't concerned about eternal life. They were concerned about their bellies being full. They were concerned that he made people who were sick well. They were concerned that their life got better right at that moment. They only cared about what he could do to help them live their best life now, not the point of why he came or what miracles he was doing. And before we move on with this story, which really gets into that point, I want to remind you of an exhortation Pastor Paul, our Apostle Paul, gave to Pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study, my young Padawan learner, a reference to Star Wars for my millennial friends. <coughs> Multi-generational I am. <laughs> that was Yoda. <laughs> Study to show thyself approved unto God. Study. That involves work. A workman who needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I love the King James here because I memorized it as a kid. It was all over the walls of Moody Bible Institute. It was the impetus of my training, which is spend time studying. If you are a contractor or wannabe contractor, and I hire you to build a house or a building onto my house, and you show up without a hammer or nails, I am going to wonder if you've ever done this before. And the exhortation Paul has to Timothy is, do this so you don't embarrass yourself as you explain the scriptures. And I would argue that there's a lot of people that should be embarrassed today. Paul explains why he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Two chapters later, he says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared, my friend. That involves work. Whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. There's a theme here. For a time is coming, why is he saying this? A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look, what will they follow? I want to live my best life now, man. Give me a fun God. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths like things that if you pray this prayer, God will heal your blood disease. Or if you give this much money, or if you and fill in the blank. Myths. How do I know they're myths? Because they don't even work today. But they will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you, my young Padawan, should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work. In Greek, that word means... Yeah, you're Greek students already. Look at you. Work. It's called work. It's not always fun. It takes a deep dive. You've got to go into the language. You've got to figure out the context. You've got to work. You can't just assume you're, you are a shepherd. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. To be honest, this could be written for today in Christian America. Many should be ashamed with what they're teaching. Many are proclaiming unbiblical, self-centered form of Christianity that teaches you that God wants you to have it all. Some of you watching on the internet or even in this room heard a young man read, a dad read that his son was told by our student children leader that he was a sinner and needed a saving. And you heard seven years old and you thought that was 
that was evil, or how can you do that? That's going to mess him up. Of course it is. He needs saving. Well, it's not nice. Neither is what Adam and Eve did to us. And the lies of Satan and telling people you can live your best life now and have eternal life because Jesus said, if you don't pick up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. You can't have it now and later. That's not how this works. This is a sacrifice life. This is a surrendered life. This is the life that God, that, that, that you live when you follow God who tells you to get in a silly boat and go across and falls asleep in the back of it. Don't you care we're going to drown? I told you to go to the other side, not get to the middle of panic. Well, what do you want me to do? Pretty much what you did, because now I get to show you who I really am. This was all about the disciples. This was about them going, whoa. This was about 11 of them falling on top of each other in the boat going, you really are that guy. To which Jesus responded in his divine voice, duh. You've seen me do things only the divine can do. Why do you doubt, Peter? Why are you drowning? But he still puts his arm around and walks with him. This is all about us growing up, not going to heaven. Yes, heaven is great, but it is the benefit of being adopted into the family of God. We are the children of the Most High God, redeemed from the consequences of our sin, now brought into fellowship with God. And we can know Him, and we can walk with Him, and we can grow in relation to Him. And it only happens... Through difficulty, that's how we grow. Back to our story. I tell you the truth, he says to the crowd who just asked him, how did you get here? You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the, what are the words? Eternal life. It's not just life after death. It starts right now seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Uh, and Wednesday night, we learned that the reference to the Son of Man is not just that he's the Son of the Father, but it is a reference to God. It goes back to Daniel. This is him saying, I'm God. My apologies to the Jehovah's Witness who continually deny the deity of Christ. You are, in fact, the Antichrist. That First John 2 says, I'm not trying to start a fight. I'm just trying to warn you. Jesus is identifying himself as God. He said, you should spend your energy seeking the eternal life that God, me, the Son of Man, can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And that's one of those lines. That last line is so stinking significant. Stinking is a Greek word. It is so important. Because Jesus just explained why he did miracles. He just explained. He says, you don't ever ask to understand the miracles. You just want the miracles. You want Jesus' magic traveling show that makes your life better. You want to feel all this. You want to experience all this. That's fine. But you should be struggling to find out why I do these things. And you don't even care. The reason I do these things is God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And that's what that looks like. That is the supernatural power. Jesus just explained why he healed the sick and fed the hungry. It was, it was right there, tucked at the end of verse 27. It was the Father's sign of approval. At this point, the whole crowd got on their knees and repented of their sin and asked God to lead them. Nope. They did. Actually, this is really remarkable what they do. Verse 28. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? This could be the dumbest group of people in the history of humanity. 
It sure is easy to look back, but I don't know about you, but if I'm in that crowd and Jesus just said that to me, I am on my face before the Lord. Not them. They actually tell him, here's our real goal. We want a franchise. Not only do they want Jesus to meet their felt needs, but actually what they want is after he feeds them one more time, they want their own miracle-doing franchise. They want to travel. Jesus, the miracle worker, has just rebuked them for seeking the wrong thing. And rather than repenting and listening, rather than asking more questions, understand what, they actually tell him what they really want, and that is a branch of God's circus show. They actually think, now, now you've got to, some of you are going to get what I'm saying right now. The rest of you just listen and take it in. They are actually so unimpressed with Jesus. They think Jesus is so unspecial. He's just a dude inhabited by the Holy Spirit who can do some supernatural things. They think Jesus is so normal, so usual, that they can be like him doing his miracles. They actually, as a crowd, reduce the deity of God to just a special anointed human. And that, my friends, is heretical. That is taking Jesus Christ, a special anointing of God, his deity away. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What do we need to do? And Jesus told him, this is the only work God wants from you. You believe in the one that he has sent. Wow. The truth is, they don't want to put their hope and faith in him. They wanted to believe in themselves. They wanted to elevate themselves under the super magic of God that this guy Jesus got. And wait, if you don't think I'm right yet, just wait till they keep going. We will get through this text by noon. They want to elevate, they, don't, they not only reduce Jesus to humanity, they are raising themselves to deity. We can have the same power as Jesus. We want to do the same miracles. All God wants from you is to believe in me. They answer, verse 30. Hmm. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna when they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Oh, they are messing with the wrong guy. Just give you a cue in on the end without ruining the end of this story. He is really ready for this kind of comment. Their arrogance and boldness is unbelievable. If I'm God, I open the ground and I swallow these people up. But not our Jesus. They have seen him. Now, take a breath because you've got to get this. Remember that they're all, they're, they're touching the hem of his garment, so we know, the, they, we know that they know the miracles he's done. We know that. Why? Because they're, they're, this is the inside story of what's going on while Jesus is healing. There are people touching his garments, and while they're arguing, people are touching his garments, grabbing at him, his prayer shawl, and they're grabbing at him. They're being healed while this debate is going on. They want one more sign. These people have seen him raise the dead, make the lame to walk, calm the seas, feed 20,000 people. They've seen him walk on water, cast out demons, turn water to wine, and they ask, what can you do for us? Do one more thing. One more thing and then we'll believe. Oh, and to make their point that Jesus wasn't all that, that they had seen the same kind of coolness that Jesus had before, they, re they referenced the great Moses. Do you remember we studied out of stained glass Moses? That's the guy that they want Jesus. They don't think Jesus even measures up to Moses. I mean, hey, you think you're all that, uh, Joseph's son? We need you to chill a little bit. Moses gave us manna in the wilderness. Oh, Jesus is ready. That's like, that's like uh, I don't know, the Nationals pitching a fastball to the team last night. That was, by the way, it's good that you're in church. I was wondering if you'd show up after last night's game. You owe the Lord a lot. <laughs> a lot. I just, you know, 
So verse 32, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This is the second time he said, verily, verily. And when Jesus says, verily, verily, you better verily, verily. Pay attention. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. <laughs> well, that wasn't cool. To, that was really cool to me. And now, now the same one that gave Moses to give you bread, he's giving you bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. That's sarcasm. Oh, we want that bread every day. We want to be hungry again. We want to mess with people like you. We want our best life now. Jesus replied, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you've seen me. However, those the fathers have given me will come to me and I will never reject them. My apologies to those of you who want to deny that God's in control. I, I don't know what to say about that. I am regularly ridiculed in this community as being a Calvinist. I am not. But it says what it says. I am as Arminian as Calvin. But when it says, well, you'll see it again. For I've actually come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but I will raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up in the last day. I will raise them up in the last day. Not today, in the last day. You see, the problem that he's having with the crowd is the crowd wants their best life now. Jesus says, in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world, and I am going to prepare a place for you. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will take care of themselves. Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, as opposed to earth. You see, this is the upside-down kingdom. This kingdom where, as a follower of Jesus, you give up your flesh. You go against the things you feel. For those of you who are cynical looking at two boys being baptized and are thinking to yourself, those guys have no idea what the spiritual battle is about. You're exactly right. That's why we disciple them. So that they are prepared for the battle, or at least they know the battle's coming. That's what churches are supposed to do. We are supposed to nurture each other so that when the waves of the lies of our flesh and the world comes on, we are not thrown around every wind of doctrine because it sounds like the truth, Ephesians 4 says. This is what we do, what we're doing right now. My job, our job, your job is to make sure somebody less learned than you studies to show the scriptures, to show themselves approved, a workman or workwoman who need not be ashamed. Our job as leaders is to make sure you are so dangerous to the lies of Satan that when you go out there and they, they tickle your flesh, you push them away because you want the truth more than the lie. These people wanted the lie. And Jesus calls them out on it. For it is my Father's will that that all who see his son and believe in him will have eternal life. I will raise them up in the last day. Jesus did miracles as the Father's sign or seal of endorsement that we should listen to him and his message. For us to seek first the kingdom of God, that he knows their needs and will take care of them, but to seek first the eternal kingdom of God rather than their best life now. I want to talk to you, those of you who have just recently been diagnosed with a fatal disease. The only difference between you and me is I don't know what's going to kill me. 
But if both of us put our focus on the eternal life, the resurrection Jesus promises, and put our hope in Him, we can still have joy even in the traumatic, terrifying months and years to come. I have no idea what's going to happen in the election next year, but it is reasonable to believe that the socialists will in fact take over and we will lose our tax-exempt status. Then you're going to have to decide if you give to the work of the king for tax purposes or for kingdom purposes. We'll find out. What happens when what has already happened in Canada, and I lived on the border of Canada, we know. I remember when Focus on the Family had to start doing a second broadcast, an edited one, because they could be sued every day that they mentioned homosexuality being a sin. And they didn't focus on that. It was just part of the conversation of, of what righteousness is. That is coming to us. It already is in India. You can't be anything but Hindu in India without being at risk of being arrested. Welcome to life. In Uganda, which is predominantly friendly towards Christians, there is an uprising of Islam, and they want to kill us. That's exactly what Jesus said would happen. That is why, whether it's cancer or persecution or government, we have to put our hope not in our guns, but in our God. The problem is our flesh. Every one of us, and this is not dogging them or us, but our flesh wants it now. God says, trust me, not now. I will raise you up in the last day. I don't want to be raised up in the last day. I want to be raised up right now. Not today. Unless it's your time. And then you get to come home. In response John, to, to this, what Jesus said in John 6, 41. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? Now you know what they think of him. Remember I said before that they think Jesus is just a dude with special supernatural powers because he had a unique relationship with God? That's exactly what a lot of preachers are saying today. Jesus Christ was fully man. He just was inhabited by the Holy Spirit and he could do special things. So what we need to do is connect to the Holy Spirit's power and we too could do those things. There are people that are mounting pulpits today making millions of dollars who have actually said, I refuse to teach a doctrine that doesn't involve me doing miracles. Well, good for you, but you declaring things doesn't make it true. Uh, uh, there is an old saying, never trust a skinny cook, <laughs> never trust a faith healer with glasses. <laughs> and I, I am not saying this to be silly, I'm simply saying if what you're saying is true, it better be true for you. Ernest Angley of Ohio makes millions, he is worth like something like 800 million people, he's about that tall and really strange. You guys probably don't know this guy. He's been around since forever. The joke in Canton, Ohio is that he's got a line of, with a phone in his wife's grave. He can afford that. And that he talks to her every night. But this guy claims to be a Christian and he is making millions, if not billions of dollars on his lies. And people always believe them. Why? Because they want to believe in anything they can control. Jesus Christ is Lord. Even when he puts you in a boat and sends you out to the middle of the sea, you're terrorized by it. He's still Lord. Will we trust? Job, who some of you are studying, said, yet even though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Jesus said in verse 43, he responded, stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I'll raise them up. I just want to apologize for those of you who have a hard time with that verse, but you have to answer what that verse means. 
Let me be clear, because some of you are going to say, so you believe in predestination or election? All I know is what it says. And it says, whosoever will may come over here, and it says, chosen before the foundation of the world over here. I am not going to reconcile that ever again for anybody, including myself. I'm going to trust that God's got a plan. That's what this says. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent them draws them to me. And at the last day, I'll raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that everyone has ever seen the Father. Only I, who was sent from God, have seen him. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. And somebody in this room or on the internet is wondering, well, am I part of that group? Accept him today and you are. Right now, at this moment, well, I don't want to accept it. What a waste of my breath if I'm not chosen. If you spend the rest of your life wondering if you're chosen, you're not chosen. If you bow the knee today, you are. Well, how do I find out what group I'm in? Bow the knee right now. Don't ask questions. Go to God. Say, I want to be saved. You will be saved. But what if I'm not part of the elect? Don't be an idiot. He doesn't tell us how he does it. Maybe he sees us choose him. I've heard people say that. Who knows? All it says is he's not going to lose one. That's why he's not worried about this crowd. Everyone who believes, that's the fuck. Here's the fact. I said fork. That's the fork. It's not true. It's verse 47. Here's the fact. I'm so clever. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. If you are not saved this morning, that's all you got to do. You don't have to join the Baptist Church or the Assemblies of God Church. You don't have to send $1,000 to Ernest Angley. You don't even, it would be nice. You could send me money, but I can't save you. It would be nice if you did, though. However, I'm telling you, you believe in Jesus, you put your faith in him, you put your trust in him, and you will be saved. Right? Whether you're 7 or 13 or 52. <laughs> sounds old to me. Yep. Verse 48, I'm the bread of life. Oh, that Moses thing? He's about to answer that. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness? They're all dead. <laughs> oh, you can laugh. That's funny. That's Jesus sticking his finger in their belly right now. That's him whipping, licking his finger and putting it in their ear. That's taking their forehead, putting it in the toilet and flushing it. Did I go too far with that one? That's what this is. Jesus says, I know you love Moses and I know you long for that manna. By the way, none of you were there because <laughs> everybody who ate that bread died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, me, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer so, that, uh, so the world may live, is my flesh. Jesus rocks. He, in one foul a surgeon, he takes a scalpel and he cuts away. And he goes, how many of you remember the day Moses called down manna from heaven and nobody raised their hand? And he goes, will you eat me? You will never hunger again. And the people began, verse 52, the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How could this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. He's a cannibal. <laughs> so Jesus said it again. He doubled down. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Now, in case you're wondering why he would double down with the illustration, why doesn't he explain it? Because if you remember, just about eight months before, he told him to seek, knock, and ask. Don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking. 
We learn that the reason he teaches in parables is not so people can understand, but so that only those who truly want to understand will understand. Only those who seek. So he doubles down. Actually, you think I'm a cannibal or I want you to be a cannibal? I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you can't have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise the person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. Okay, I want you to breathe because I want to explain something to you, and this is super important. We live in a culture that allows us to question everything, including God. But if you saw somebody raise the dead, made the blind to see, made the lame walk and took a kid's pale lunch and turned it into a meal, calmed the seas with his words, what your real reaction should be is to bow whether he's God or the devil. That's the truth. You should seek more information. That's what he's inviting them to do. He's playing with their heads. He's saying, yeah, it's as bad as you think. So that they'll die, uh, they will dig deeper. He wanted them to ask. Verse 59. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, this is hard, very hard to understand. How could anybody accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Have I hurt your feelings? I'm sorry. That's not what he said. He said, does this offend you? What are you going to do when you see the Son of Man ascend into heaven? <laughs> That's coming up. You're going to watch me float. What are you going to do at that point? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. For those of you who think you can work your way to salvation, you're going to have to work through that verse. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are the Spirit of, and life. But some of you don't believe in me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, this is why I said people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Wow. They would rather walk away from the miracle worker than bow the knee. Now you know why people like a lie. They want what they want. As you and I discover Jesus from the scriptures, even when he says that only those the Father gives him will come, will you bow the knee to God, trusting that his plan is better than your understanding? Or will you walk away because you don't like his plan? I ask that to the church in general. The problem with those who don't believe in election is the Bible teaches it. The problem with people who teach it's only election is it says whosoever will may come. I choose to be in the middle of the pendulum, teaching both when they come up in the text. But for the last 500 years, Christians have been fighting and killing each other over this. The Southern Baptist Convention is continually fighting over whether or not Arminius or Calvin were right. Since we've been battling over this for 500 years, maybe we should let God sort it all out. Maybe we should get back to bowing the knee to God and following him wherever he asks us to go and quit trying to tell him what we expect of him. Amen. Then Jesus turned to the 12. You think he stuck his finger in the ear of the crowd. They're gone. They are gone. Then he turns to the 12 who are still sitting here going, especially Judas is going, I really don't like this guy. I mean, this is not okay. And he turns to them and he says, are you also going to leave? That is not a nice question. It's not nice. These guys have given up everything to follow him. Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, where would we go? I mean, you, 
You're the only one with words that give eternal life. We do believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Even though we don't like everything you said. And I assure you that he mumbled off to the distance. Then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one of you is the devil. He was speaking of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him. But like Peter and the other 10, be like them and bow the knee. I understand in following Jesus, and, and, and we're almost done. I know the Bible study leaders are freaking out. Calm down, I'm feeding the bread. I know that life is scary and the storms of life are overwhelming and you really do believe you'll drown. Only if he wants you to drown will you drown. And then you get to go home. I can't promise you life. Nobody can, even those who promise you life. Follow him. Put all of your eggs in his basket. Every one of them. Put your hope in God. Put your confidence in God. And continue doing what you've always done, even if you're scared. Be gracious to people, Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. Be gentle. Be faithful. Follow him off a cliff. Put your eyes on the back of the rabbi, Pastor Larry likes to say, that baptized his grandson. And don't look away. And by the way, that's really cute when you're healthy, but, but Larry's been struggling with cancer for the past two years. That's when it gets real. Bow the knee, even if you don't understand him or his ways. Even if you're hung up right now on how this presents Jesus and his father of choosing followers or doesn't, bow the knee to him because he's the only one who offers you eternal life. I used to ask you a question. I think it's a really good place to end our, our time together this morning. And that is, he's God. You're not. I'm not. We're not. Are we okay with that? If you are, you'll follow him. If you're not, you will not. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this very practical text. It is so deep with truth, it's, it's almost overwhelming. There's too much. We could have spent weeks in this discussion alone, but I think the beauty is in its conciseness. Lord Jesus, this is not a complex text uh, explaining election and free will. It doesn't explain it. It just declares what it declares. It doesn't explain why you said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. It simply says it. And so, Father, we want all of you we will follow you in the boat even if you drowned us in it because you are the only one who has the words of life. And we, Father, value life not just after death or before death. We value life as you give it. Father, help us understand that the abundant life we seek is only found in a relationship with you. And so I pray for this flock this morning. I pray for those on the internet. Father God, may we trust you with our lives and our deaths. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Bible study is going to start in five minutes. Uh, if you're visiting with us, I'd love to meet you. If you'd like to talk more about this one, I'll be here.